Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey with our special guest, Austin Fox, who is back on the Wolverine.com airwaves. Uh, we are going to preview the college football season here for 2022. We'll talk a lot of Michigan. We'll get into some Big Ten stuff and then national stuff at the end. And, uh, you know, kind of do our thing, throwing it back to the Mason Brew. Mason Blue breakdown days. Uh, Austin checking in from Westphalia, Michigan. How's it going? Good, good. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. You and I used to record the Mason Blue breakdown for uh, weeks on end, and we had a lot of fun yep. doing it. So it's great to be back on here, and I'm pretty fired up to talk about not only Michigan football, but the uh, start of the college football season in general. When I think of Michigan football and somebody has the passion for it, it's Austin Fox. It's the great people of Westphalia. Uh, made my first trip out there a few weeks ago for your 30th birthday party. Not to reveal your age there. Um, and it was, I mean, what great people out there. So many Michigan fans. And they're not the Michigan fans that are like, hey, you think they're going to be any good or whatever. They got specific questions. They got specific takes that they want to talk about because they're so educated on their team. The passion they were telling me about the Eric All touchdown last year, how everybody was jumping up and down. The Andrew Anthony 93 yard touchdown, the third longest uh, receiving touchdown in Michigan football history, how people were jumping up and down over in Westphalia, Michigan. So they're those types of down to earth type of people. Uh, Austin, can we get a life update on you from Westphalia? Because the people on the fort, Hank, Franz, all the best posters over there, are, uh, we're wondering what's up with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I left the Wolverine in May of 2021, I took a job with the state of Michigan. I was there for a year. It was a lot of fun, but I've since taken on another one. I am actually the uh, youth ministry leader here in my hometown of Westphalia, Michigan. I'm about a month in and it's been going great working with kids, working with high schoolers, the local youth in the community. So honestly, it's uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do this. So been doing good in that regard. You mentioned the uh, get together with yourself and Chris Ballas a few weeks ago in Westphalia, Michigan. I'll be honest, man. I didn't know you guys were coming out. One of my relatives, a good close friend of mine as well, Renee Drusty, set that whole thing up. And it was great having you guys there, the people of Westphalia. Absolutely loved hanging out with you. You talked about how genuine the people are in this community and how passionate they are about their sports and about Michigan football, uh, especially. They know it inside now. It's it's a religion out here, man, and people take it incredibly serious. So uh, not to inflate Chris Ballas's ego anymore. I don't know if that's possible, but he's a celebrity in a lot of ways. And he I is. Think that he is. People, the people that got to hang out with him saw it as hanging out with someone like Tom Brady or someone that they watch on TV. Bigger, that, bigger, yeah, I think. bigger, bigger. And I didn't know that was possible. So, and that uh, that yeah. infatuation with Ballas was taken to a whole nother level when Bill Simonson on the Huge Show last week talked about Westphalia and the great people of this town for good, what, 25, 30 minutes during that entire episode. So it was really cool to see you were on there as well, did an outstanding job. People in Westphalia love the Wolverine. They love reading everything that you guys put out there. So that's a testament to you guys. And, you know, we're extremely fired up here as well for the start of Michigan football, which is uh, right around the corner now. Yeah, the one guy went up to Ballas at the party and said, is that the guy from the huge show? Uh, yes. So there you go. I mean, the uh, – That's what he's just, known as around here, the guy from the huge show and nothing more. Right. Um, so, no, a great community, great people, great Michigan fans over there. So shout out to them. Um, you mentioned the excitement for the season. I mean, I wanted to ask you about that as a fan. Is this the most excited you've been – you know, in, in a while, I know last year went insanely well and it, they surprised everybody, but the expectations were low. I mean, I remember thinking I'm excited for things to get back to normal, but you were almost a little bit nervous about what was going to happen with this team, what was going to happen with the program or the coaching staff. I mean, there was a lot of pressure and there still is, but a different kind of pressure last season. Now you talk about excitement. I mean, there, there were a few years in the Harbaugh era earlier on where I feel like the excitement was kind of similar where the expectations were similar, especially early on, you know, wasn't really that way, maybe a year going into 2012 for Brady Hoke. And then you'd probably have to go back to before the 2007 season when they were also ranked number six in the coaches poll and, you know, had, you know, a similar type of thing coming off of that great 06 year. So where, where do you stand on, on excitement for this year in terms of how it relates, you know, historically? The excitement for this upcoming 2022 season is through the roof, but I'll be honest with you, man, it was for 2019 as well. Uh, I think people kind of brush it aside or forget about it because yep. that was just a nine and four season, but Urban Meyer had just stepped down at Ohio State. Michigan was bringing so much back heading into 2019. Senior quarterback in Shea Patterson, Michigan was the Big Ten favorites that year heading into that season. So uh, expectations were through the roof. Again, it didn't play out that well, but I'll be honest, I think the most excited I've ever been heading into any Michigan football season was probably the 2016 year, six years ago. 
It was Jim Harbaugh's second year on the job. Uh, He overachieved, if you will, or at least according to some people in his first season of 2015 when they went 10-3. and And people thought that that 2016 team would be good enough to win a national title. And in my opinion, they were good enough. They went 10-3. and But all three of those losses were right at the end that year. 2015, I was incredibly excited for that year as well. Jim Harbaugh's first on the job. And then going back a bit further, you mentioned it, but 2007, Lloyd Carr's final year in Ann Arbor, there was a lot of excitement surrounding that team as well. They came into the year ranked number five in the country. Underachieved a little bit. Chad Henney and Mike Hart were banged up that year, though. They went nine and four, enjoyed a nine-game winning streak throughout, or an eight-game winning streak, excuse me, in the regular season before beating Florida in their bowl game. But there have been so many uh, seasons in recent years where the excitement is through the roof. And, you know, I'll be honest, even heading into some of the years that are expected to be not as good, if you will, the excitement level doesn't change, not for me at least. You know, it's still it's still Michigan football, and it's still such a special, special event that you only get to enjoy for, what, 13, 14, 15 days out of the entire season. So I think you and I, especially, and Chris Ballas, too, and the other guys at the Wolverine have learned to enjoy and soak it in and really take advantage of it because it is such a special thing. So excitement, uh, the excitement level surrounding this upcoming year is incredibly high. And for good reason, you know, Michigan's the reigning Big Ten champs. They're going to have a good chance to repeat as Big Ten champs and uh, hopefully make it back to the college football playoff where obviously they fell short last year. But if they can make it back and potentially beat Ohio State and win the conference again, I think that would uh, that would just really reinforce people's trust in Jim Harbaugh, which he obviously gained back a lot of it, at least uh, uh, winning the Big Ten and beating Ohio State last year. It's crazy that we're talking about a, a good chance to repeat. Um, and then also funny when you look at the list of the most Big Ten championships of all time, of course, Michigan with the most at 43. But it, just the fact that it was stuck on 42 for so long. I remember those Brady Hoke intro videos when you were at the big house before the games. You know, someone would always say 42 Big Ten championships. It just felt like that was too much of a known number. You shouldn't really – sometimes you should forget. You know, people with like encyclopedia brain like yourselves wouldn't forget. But, you know, it seems like that number should move every now and then. And there were 17 years, the longest drought in uh, Michigan football history without one. But now they're back, you know, at the top until really they're proven otherwise, um, which is insane to say after last season. Um, Let's get to some quick hitters regarding the Michigan football season. I'm going to throw some things out there. I'll give my uh, prediction um, for some of these things or quick take. And then uh, you can give yours as well. Uh, we will start with what you feel best about with this Michigan team, whether that's a position group, a player, a side of the ball, phase of the game. Um, and I guess I can start with just – it's easy to just kind of say the offense overall, but I'd say offensive line. I mean, you go into a lot of years and you look at a lot of teams around the country, Michigan State, for example, and they're they're wondering how their offensive line is going to be, how, how it's going to play out. Um Michigan right now is in such a good spot, as good as I can remember heading into a season in terms of how you feel at least with what they have on the offensive line, bolstering it with Olu Oluwatimi, three returning starters back, and, and two really capable guys at the right tackle spot. So I'm going to go with the offensive line on what I feel best about. I like it. Uh, like you said, it'd be easy to say the offense in general, but to name a more specific position group, 
it's got to be the wide receivers for me, man. You look at what this team all has coming back at the position, and yeah. it's one of the deepest wide receiver groups that I've seen at Michigan in recent memory. You can start rattling off the names, and it's you know it's Cornelius Johnson and Andrell Anthony and Roman Wilson, Ronnie Bell returning from injury. People, I think some people forget how good he was prior to his injury that caused him to miss all of last year with the exception of the first half of the Western Michigan game. So it's like you're adding a huge, huge part in his return to that position group. And then you bring in some other newcomers, whether it's Darius Clemens as a freshman. This kid was a top 70 recruit out of high school. He might contribute a little bit. A.J. Henning and his new dynamic receiver running back hybrid role. It's exciting to think about what he could become. Honestly, the most or the guy I'm most excited about is, and I don't want to sell Ronnie Bell or uh, Cornelius Johnson short, but to me, it's Andre Anthony as a sophomore. Yeah. He flashed so much potential last year as a freshman. You mentioned it in that Michigan State game when he had the 93-yard touchdown, the two touchdown grabs in that game, by far the best game of his career. He caught almost every single pass thrown his way last year, but for what it, uh, for whatever reason, his playing time was sparse at times, so I'm really excited to see what he could become as a sophomore. Uh, I'm going to cheat and say another position group, but the quarterbacks. This is an obvious one, but Michigan is in such good shape. At quarterback, Cade McNamara is back as a redshirt junior after completing 64% of his passes last year through just six picks on the entire season. But the reason he's so valuable for this team is the mentality and the mindset that he brings. He has the intangibles. He has the leadership qualities that you need at quarterback. And that's something that Michigan had been lacking at the position prior to 2021. So when considering that you do have Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy as a sophomore at quarterback and uh, all the plethora of receivers that Michigan has at that spot, it's uh, it's incredibly exciting to think about what this offense and this passing attack specifically could look like this season. And you didn't even mention the tight ends, of which they're all back. And they're pretty loaded there as well. No, I agree. And we'll talk about the quarterbacks here in a second as well. But um, you're, you're totally right. And those are three good position groups to feel good about. And it is, again, notable that they're all on offense. But uh, it makes sense with what they have returning. But the fact that we, we're going into a season feeling good about the offensive line, the wide receivers, the weapons there, and then you could add in the tight ends. You could really add in the running backs. So we're going to name the whole offense here. But And quarterback. I mean, to have two good quarterbacks, it doesn't mean you have none. It means you have two good quarterbacks, and Michigan's in a good spot there. Uh, what's your biggest concern heading into the season? For me, I mean, I know we've had some questions answered on, you know, the edge guys and, you know, the way they're going to try to manufacture a pass rush. But to me, until we see it in live game action, uh, you know, then, you know, I'm, it's still going to be a big question mark for me. I mean, they have – uh, I think Taylor Upshaw is the leading returning sack man with three and a half sacks or two and a half. Uh, that's a really, really low number. A lot of unproven guys. Then you start to think about, well, David Ojabo was unproven at this time last year as well. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson was was really good, but he was coming off an injury and we didn't know what he'd be. We didn't know he'd be the Heisman Trophy runner up. So there's a potential for guys to kind of break out here. Um, but until I see it, it's it's going to be a big question mark. Yeah, to me, it's the interior of that defensive line, getting Mozzie Smith back as a redshirt junior is massive. And it's a shame that Chris Hinton did come back for his senior year. He chose to leave early for the NFL. Michigan has a lot of bodies at that spot, and but a lot of it's unproven. 
So until you see it, you just don't know what the production is going to be like. Mozzie Smith is going to be the anchor there. I think Chris Jenkins will have a good year as a retro yep. sophomore, but again, you just don't know. He played a fair amount last year, but he's still somewhat unproven. Getting Cam Good as a transfer from UCF, I think, will be a big addition to this the interior of this defensive line. And then once you start to go down the depth a little bit, there's a lot of names that you can throw out there, but guys who just haven't played much. Julius Welshoff is a fifth-year senior, but has been in and out of the rotation during his time here. Rayshon Benny, as a redshirt freshman, has never really played meaningful snaps. Uh, E.K. Awuna, as a redshirt freshman, is still very unproven. So guys have a lot to prove at this spot. They really can't afford any injuries. If Mozzie Smith, for example, were to go down with injury, that would be potentially devastating for this position group. But it's really, really uh, – it was – crucial for him to emerge the way he did last year as a redshirt sophomore Jim Harbaugh took him to Big Ten media days this summer and I really think that speaks to his character and the kind of leader that he is for that defense uh he had been somewhat of an unproven commodity as well prior to last year and really emerged so that was good to see but if I had to pick a biggest uncertainty or unknown on this entire 2022 team it's got to be the interior of that defensive line for me yeah, it's something that we continue to hear good things about in the preseason, but yeah, it is unproven. I think Mozzie, I mean, I know he's the number one freak in college football by Bruce Feldman, but I think he's going to have a big year. I think Chris Jenkins could be the most improved player on the team. He's up to 290 pounds. Uh, you know, he talked in the spring about how he struggles, you know, sometimes to put on weight and even talked about it last year. He's up there now at where he needs to be. And his dad was in the NFL. He's got that type of body. Uh, I think he could have a really huge season. So, you're right. And worth noting, Julius Welsh, Welshoff has moved to the edge position, actually. Um, you know, so we'll see what he can do there. I, I wouldn't count him out, but again, we've, we've continued to wait for it uh, with him. Um, biggest trap game for Michigan heading into this season. I have Maryland as that game. I know people want to write him off, but they do have a good quarterback in Talia Tagovailoa. They have a really, really good receiving core. I think it could rival Michigan's for second best in the Big Ten behind Ohio State uh, or right up there in a top three where you could think of them as almost interchangeable. Dante Demas is coming back off an injury. They have Rakeem Jarrett, who's played really high-level football. Uh, I believe they got a transfer in who's been productive in the past. So I like Maryland. I know their defense is terrible. I know Michigan's probably going to score 50 points on them. but And, and I would probably – think Michigan, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they win by 20-plus points, but I wouldn't be shocked either if it's in single digits and it feels kind of weird, maybe like a Rutgers game last season. Yeah, yeah, you talked about Maryland's receiving core, and Jacob Copeland is the transfer they brought in from Florida, one of their best go. receivers last year, and then you add him with Dante Demas and Jayshon Jones and Rakeem Jarrett, and no doubt it is one of the best receiving cores in the Big Ten, and it could give defenses trouble, including Michigan's. Anytime I'm asked about a trap game on a schedule, I always point to a road game. I think anytime you go on the road, regardless of the quality of opponent, I think you do have to hold your breath a little bit and be careful. But, man, just going up and down Michigan's schedule this year, no, no trap games really jump out at me. In terms of road games, yeah. I don't look at Iowa as a trap game. I think that's a game that obviously everybody is aware Michigan could very well lose. I'm going to point to the October 15th home game against Penn State. I think people are writing that one oh. off a little bit, thinking Penn State won't be anything special after underachieving last year. But 
The Nittany Lions still have talent. Sean Clifford is back yet again at quarterback. Kevon Lee is back for another year at running back. They have one of the better receivers in the conference in Parker Washington. And I really think they could make a big jump this year after underachieving last year. They won at the big house in 2020. So Penn State would be my answer that October 15th game in Ann Arbor. You know, it's a game I certainly think Michigan will win, but it's a game that nevertheless you do have to be careful about. And Penn State's still an opponent you have to take seriously. Oh, 100%. Sean Clifford having a six-year senior quarterback back I think is really important. Um, So, yeah, I I guess I wasn't thinking of it as kind of a trap game, but I see where you're coming from there. Um, What's a game that you feel like will be a little easier than people are thinking? I have Michigan State here, and I know that's just a death trap uh, to say that, but I feel like there is so much – um angst about that game and i know you know most people still think michigan will win that game and they'll be favored likely going into it and they are right now in the preseason but i feel like they're being a little overhyped i mean they had four games i believe it was by one possession last season uh talking to phil Steele earlier this summer he was saying those are usually the teams that take a step back the next year and maybe nebraska who we can you know potentially talk about as well maybe they would take a step forward because of all the close losses they had it just kind of Seems to even out that way, but uh, question marks at offensive line. Huge question in the secondary still, even though they added a couple guys. And those are those are big things. You also don't have your All-American running back. I like what they have there, but they're not going to be Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Nebraska on November 15th, I believe. It's mid-November yep. at the big house to me. That would be my answer to this question. I think a lot of people are pretty high on Nebraska this upcoming season, and for good reason. The pressure is on Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers after underachieving every single season. He's been in Lincoln dating back to 2018. I think that's a game that people look at as one that Cornhuskers probably aren't going to pull off, but it could be a four-quarter game and come down to the wire. This, to me, is has the makings of a potential blowout. I could see Michigan winning this game by 17 or 20 points. In Ann Arbor, it's late in the season. Odds are Michigan's going to be right in the thick of the Big Ten title hunt, have everything to play for. Nebraska, on the other hand, if things don't go their way and they have another disappointing season, I wouldn't be surprised if the guys on this team throw in the towel by this point. Uh, We've seen it in the past where 2018 especially comes to mind, where things were going poorly under Scott Frost, and it was very obvious that the players on that team quit. It was most evident in that, September beat down in the big house when Michigan beat Nebraska 56 to 10. And you could tell those players had no interest in competing in that game. So I know Nebraska made several personnel upgrades. They brought in a lot of transfers. They're going to start Casey Thompson at quarterback, a transfer from Texas. Uh, They brought in a good transfer at wide receiver. Uh, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda is his name. They have a transfer at running back who might play quite a bit. So They have talent, but they just have not been able to put it all together. And again, this to me has the makings of a potential blowout. And it's a game that I definitely see Michigan winning by, again, 17 or 20 points in mid-November. And the guy who says he didn't do any research before has thrown out names like whatever that one was with the two last names. So um, just incredible stuff. That's why we pay you the big bucks. I mean, it's incredible. Um, That Nebraska game is it's, I don't know what to think of it. I don't even know what to think of Nebraska at all. Um, they're going to be really fascinating to watch throughout the season. I could see them losing to 
Northwestern and Ireland this weekend. Um, yeah, no doubt, or, no doubt. Or I could see them going, you know, 10 wins. And I know they haven't made a bowl under Scott Frost, but it's it's crazy. Like, this is the year, I think, make or break for that program. Um, I think another quick yeah. uh, fun point to make about them is they're in a similar position that Michigan was in last year where they had all the pressure in the world on their shoulders and it was time to win now. And Michigan responded, and they did win at a high level, yep. uh, won 12 games, won the Big Ten. But a lot of teams in that situation do the opposite and full most, under pressure. Yeah. yeah, most. And Nebraska, I think, will do one of two things this year. Either they're going to have another crap season, like they've had several times in the past under Frost, or they're going to respond and win you know, nine or ten games and potentially win the West. But that's just it. We don't know. Uh, it's hard to know where the middle ground is. And that's why they're, in my opinion, one of the most intriguing teams to keep an eye on in the Big Ten. That's why this sport is so fun, too. Yeah, no, you're right. And it is worth noting, Michigan, as you know, it, it was a similar situation. I completely agree. But Michigan had had success in the past, 10 win seasons, all of that. You know, they had a coach in his current job that had proven he could he could lead a team basically to the brink of winning championships. Scott Frost? At, at Nebraska, not so much yet. But again, I mean, he, he's been good in the past. He is a good football coach, I think. It, it's just weird that it hasn't worked out there so far. Um, last few quick hitters on Michigan football. Um, just need a name from you, but breakout offensive player. I have Andrew Anthony. Uh, who do you have? This is probably the most generic pick out there, but I have to go Donovan Edwards. Yeah. He's a sophomore running back. This kid is going to explode, in my opinion, in 2022. John Jansen said he thinks he'll be one of the best backs in the entire country this season. And while I wouldn't go quite that far, simply because he'll obviously be splitting reps with Blake Corum, the element that he gives them out of the backfield as a pass catcher is something that Michigan hasn't had in, in recent memory at the running back spot. We yep. saw it on full display Last year at Maryland in the 59-18 beat down the week before the Ohio State game, Donovan Edwards was catching everything thrown his way, and uh, I believe he had a 70-yard touchdown in that game. So he's electric with the ball in his hands. But one of the main reasons that I'm most excited about him is because of the attitude and the mentality he brings to this team. Even though he's only a sophomore, I think he cares as much as anybody on this team because he's a local kid. He's out of Detroit. He knows what this Michigan football program is about. He had a played a key role in the turnaround last year and leading that team to a Big Ten championship. So I think Donovan Edwards is going to have a huge year this fall, both as a runner between the tackles and as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Yeah, he, he's a great pick for that. Pretty much neck and neck there with Andrell for me. And I think Donovan will probably have more production based on his playing time. But um you know, both great options on uh, for the breakout offensive player. Breakout defensive player, I have Mike Morris. I, I like what it, you know he can bring to the table. He's up to 292 pounds. He's going to move all over the defensive line, and I think that can be beneficial where, you know, keeping the offense guessing. Uh, he said he wants to attack the weak link on the offensive line, so we could see him line up anywhere from edge to nose tackle given the situation, and I think that's a nice, exciting, you know, prospect. Uh, I will say that is with the caveat of the fact that I think Junior Colson already broke out last year as a freshman All-American. Otherwise, he would he would easily be my pick. Rod Moore is my pick on this one, the uh, sophomore safety. He started starting late last season and really did not look out of place at all 
as a freshman, led the team in tackles in that 42-27 to win over Ohio State. Back when Rod Moore was a recruit, I remember I did the feature on him in the annual football recruiting yep. Wolverine preview magazine. And this kid had one of the most impressive interviews that I'd ever seen, especially for someone his age, being a 17-year-old at the time. He was from the state of Ohio. And the only thing that he wanted to talk about at the time was how he was going to lead his classmates and everybody else during his time at Michigan to several wins over Ohio State. And obviously this was prior to last year when Ohio State still had a long winning streak against Michigan. And Rod Moore uh, was adamant that he was going to play a key part in bringing that streak to an end. And sure enough, starts the game as a freshman last year, leads the team in tackles, helps leads the defense to a huge, huge win over Ohio State. So as a starter, alongside likely redshirt sophomore R.J. Moten at safety, I think Rod Moore is going to help be an anchor on what should be a pretty darn good uh, back seven for that Michigan defensive backfield this year. It is amazing how that class wanted to be the change and be the difference and all that stuff. And once we're in there, we're going to turn things around. I mean, I give them a lot of credit, especially the guys like Rod Moore, J.J. McCarthy, Junior Colson, Edwards, Anthony all those guys that played, but it's amazing that Michigan was able to turn it around quicker than even they were, you know, able to start and all those things, obviously a couple of them, but um, I, I think it's a great pick. I love Rod Moore. He watches more film than anyone on the team, according to Jim Harbaugh, where they had to double check the numbers on the iPads that they tracked because they wanted to, is this freshman really watching the most film, obviously now a sophomore and, uh, you know, a potential starter here, uh, you know, projected starter for sure. Um, who's your MVP? I got Blake Corum here. I think, uh, you know, for all the talk of Donovan Edwards, Blake is still an electric guy. They're going to be a run first team. They're both going to get their touches, but this kid ran for 952 yards and 11 touchdowns in just 12 games last season would have been a thousand yard rusher. If he didn't, you know, suffer a high ankle sprain, he played less than hundred percent in a few of those games at the end of the year. Uh, a fully healthy Blake Corum, in my opinion, is probably, Maybe not the most important player on this team, but I think he'll end up being the most productive and valuable. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I think there are several guys you could point to on offense, especially, who could be the MVP of this team. Blake Corum being one of the most uh, obvious choices. Some of the receivers are jumping out at me as well. Ronnie Bell, even Cornelius Johnson as a potential dark horse. There have been very good practice reports that, uh, that he's really stepped up his game lately. I'm going to go with the generic pick here. Cade McNamara, as a redshirt junior, I think he's going to play another essential role in this offense, being incredibly efficient in 2022. Even though offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis is gone, I don't think the offense will miss a beat with Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore running the show now. Uh, both guys were in the system last year. They know what they have to do to make this offense work. So I think Cade McNamara, once again in 2022, is going to play efficient football. I think he's going to take care of the ball. I think he's going to lead the offense on scoring drives. But the main reason I think he's going to be MVP is, and I've already talked about it several times, but because of the intangibles and the mentality that he brings to that position, you could tell last year how much his teammates respected him and how they looked up to him as a leader. I think that he is one of, if not the main reason, Michigan is going to have another excellent season this year and be right there in the thick of it for not only the Big Ten title, but the college football playoff once again. 
I like the pick. I like the pick. Um, going into the Big Ten a little bit. Actually, no, we have to predict the Michigan football record. Uh, I have this team at 11-1. and one. I think their loss is going to come to Ohio State uh, at the end of the year, and I think that keeps them right in there for playoff contention based on what will shake out in the rest of the country going into the last you know weekend of the season. Um, I do think it's going to be tough to win in Columbus. I'm not ruling out that possibility, but I am not ready to predict it right now either. I'm in a similar boat, Clay. I think this team will have a very, very realistic shot of going into that Ohio State game and winning. Uh, I think it'll be border a borderline toss-up. But with that being said, I just cannot, as of now at least, predict them, predict them to win that game. I have this team at 10-2. and two. I almost went with 11-1 and one with the Ohio State game being the only loss. But I think they're going to stumble <clears throat> Excuse me, somewhere else along the lines. The October 1st game at Iowa being the most obvious pick. Michigan has not won at Iowa since 2005. I know there have been several years in a row where they have not played there since then, but that just goes to show you how tough of a place Kinnick Stadium is to play. We've seen some of the best teams in recent memory in the Big Ten go to Kinnick Stadium and lose as clear favorites. Ohio State in 2017 being the best example. They went into that game as one of the best teams in the country. And again, it's clear favorites, and Iowa put, I think, 55 on them. So Iowa is just simply a different team at home. They're going to be amped up for that game after the 42-3 to beatdown that they suffered at the hands of Michigan last year in the Big Ten title game. So revenge is going to play a big factor. So I've got this team, Michigan team at 10-2 and uh, this upcoming season. Let's go into uh, the Big Ten um, I think I know where that, you know, has you on the Big Ten champion, probably Ohio State. That's who I have. Again, um, you know, Michigan will be right there in my opinion, but I think Ohio State's going to have the edge. And then your surprise team as well. My surprise team is Minnesota. I think I like what they have coming back. Muhammad Ibrahim, finally healthy again. Tanner Morgan, a six-year senior at quarterback, which is similar to you know, the theory about Sean Clifford, those aren't the best quarterbacks in the world. I actually think Tanner Morgan's pretty damn good. But when you have that kind of experience and you have a run game around you, uh, and, and that's a team that did well last season and was right in the mix for the Big Ten title game at the end of the year. Um, I, I like what P.J. Fleck is, is you know, doing or rowing over there in Minneapolis. So they're my surprise team. I think they could get to the Big Ten title in the West. Yeah, I like your rowing reference there as well. They won nine games last year. They were uh, they were a pretty darn solid team last year as well. I was originally going to go with Purdue for this pick, but then I looked it up and realized that they went nine and four last year as well. So you know what? I'm going to go with Northwestern. In recent Ooh. years, Northwestern has alternated between great and terrible seasons. They won the Big Ten West in both 2018 and 2020, but then were terrible in 2019 and 2021. So if that trend continues, Northwestern should win the West this year. I don't think they will, but I think they can likely make a bowl game after going just three and nine last year. They have one of the better running back tandems in the conference and Cam Porter and Evan Hall. Cam Porter went down with injury prior to last year. And I think that really, really set the team back. They probably wouldn't have won the West, obviously, even if he would have been healthy, but they would have had a better season than they had if Porter would have been healthy. So with Porter and Hall in the backfield, and we'll see who starts at quarterback, it'll likely be Ryan Holinsky. 
and I don't think he can be any worse than he was last year. But right. assuming Holinsky starts, and again, you've got the two-headed monster at running back, I think that Northwestern could get back to 500. And on top of that, I think Pat Fitzgerald is too good of a coach for this Northwestern program to stay down too long. So the Wildcats would be my surprise pick here in 2022. What if they do win the West? It'd be unbelievable to go back and forth like that. Um, that would be I, the most unbelievable pattern I've ever seen for a team to alternate the way they have. Yeah. But you know what? It's college football, and I won't put it past them. So I don't think you can rule it out. No, I don't think so. And the West is so wide open. It's crazy. I think there are a lot of capable teams there, including Purdue, including Nebraska, including Wisconsin, including Iowa. Who am I missing? Probably someone, too. Minnesota. Illinois. There you yeah. go. Basically, Illinois, Illinois, you don't – who knows? I mean, they they did some things well last year. They were good on defense, you know, relatively, and they ran the ball well. And those are two pretty good things, and those are things that Brett Bielema did well at Wisconsin, you know, when he was first in the league. Um, let's go rapid fire through the rest of the Power Five and pick our champions for these leagues. Uh, did you pick Ohio State for the Big Ten? Maybe without saying. Pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I have Ohio State winning the conference. Uh, I think this team will be outstanding like they are every year, and yeah. it's hard not to pick them. Uh, I've got them beating Wisconsin as the West Division champ in the Big Ten title game. Okay, so I got Iowa coming out of the West again. I just think that defense is good. I think the offense is going to find a way to improve, even though it was pretty uh, pretty poor last season, especially uh, you know we saw that in the title game. But um, let's go to the ACC where – Feels like there's only one answer here, and I know they didn't win it last year, but Clemson uh, is my pick. DJ Uyungle, Uyungle, I believe it is back. He wasn't didn't impress me much last season, but I think another year under his belt, he's got the athletic tools. I think he'll play well. Clemson kind of surged at the end of the last season, and uh, you know I think they're going to get back to being relevant again, at least in a pretty easy conference. Yeah, Clemson won 10 games last year, but let's be honest, they were really not that good of a team. A big reason they only won those 10 games was because of how weak the ACC was. Yeah. I do have them winning the conference this year by default. Pittsburgh and Wake Forest were the two teams in the ACC championship last year, but uh, I think Clemson's going to win the Atlantic over Wake Forest. I don't see Wake Forest repeating as Atlantic division champs. DJ Uyunglele, and well done, by the way, when you said his name, uh, really underachieved last year and was inconsistent all year long. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of those inconsistencies once again this year, but Clemson just has so much more talent than everybody else in the ACC. I know some people are high on Miami out of the Coastal Division, but with a first-year head coach and Mario Cristobal, I'll believe it when I see it with the Hurricanes. I've got Clemson winning the conference. Will Shipley at running back. Uh, started last year as a freshman and I think really could emerge as one of the better backs in the country this year as a sophomore. They have one of the best receiving crews in the country, Bo Collins, Joseph Nada, EJ Williams. So I've got to go with Clemson, but I don't think this is going to be a prototypical Clemson team like we've seen in recent years under Dabo Sweeney where they're in the national title picture. I think they're going to win a crap conference, and uh, but I don't think this is a team that will make the college football playoff. Okay. And yeah, unless there's Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence walking through that door. I mean, Clemson, they don't have the talent that an Alabama 
or a Georgia has, even though they performed higher than Georgia, which is amazing looking back at some of the recruiting rankings. But that just shows you what a generational quarterback can do for your program. And again, I don't think they have that. Uh, but again, it's just such an easy conference. You, you don't want to rule a ton out for them in terms of getting the playoff. Uh, Big 12, I have Oklahoma winning this. First year under Brent Venables. I'm not buying the Texas hype. I know Quinn Ewers is going to start for them. I don't buy Steve Sarkeesian. Again, this is a team that lost to Kansas at home last season. Let me repeat that. They lost to Kansas at home in Austin, Texas. Kansas. I think it was their, what, second or third road win in the last 10-plus years in the Big 12, in Big 12 play. So absurd. Uh, I, I'm not saying they can't turn things around because, you know, in college football, you'll see some big swings from year to year in terms of record and all that. But I'm not going to buy the Sark hype just yet. Oklahoma State trying to win the Big 12 again. I think TCU and Baylor could be good. Uh, like what Dave Aranda is doing uh, down at Baylor. This is a wide open conference, um, but I I am going to go with Oklahoma. I hate to agree with you, Clay Dog, but I got to go with Oklahoma too, almost by default. I'm not yeah. confident at all in this pick, mainly because no. of the reasons you just talked about. A first year head coach in Norman, Lincoln Riley's no longer there. Brent Venables, who's inexperienced, will be calling the shots now. And not only is there inexperience at uh, the head coaching spot, but also at quarterback to a degree. Dylan Gabriel played a lot when he was at UCF before transferring to Oklahoma. But the reason I say there's some question marks there is because he's never played at the Power Five level. So I don't think you know what you're going to get out of him. They do have a good running back in a name or a player that Michigan fans will be very familiar with. Eric Gray, the former Michigan commit, is expected to start for the Sooners. Baylor won the conference last year, but I don't think they'll repeat as conference champs. Oklahoma State, I think, will be right there for it as well. They have a lot coming back. Spencer Sanders at quarterback, Dominic Richardson at running back. Mike Gundy's a solid coach. But, man, I got to go with Oklahoma. And I couldn't agree more with what you said about Texas. To me, they're not even in the discussion. Steve Sarkeesian is not a good coach. Texas has underachieved more than any other team in the country over the past 10 years or so, ever since Mac Brown left. So, I got Oklahoma winning the Big 12. What a mistake by me. I, I forgot Baylor won that game, that crazy game against Oklahoma State last season. So insane. Baylor trying to follow up their Big 12 title and repeat. Um, On to the Pac-12, where I was debating this, and I think there are three teams that are really in the mix, USC, Utah, and Oregon. I think I said that right for our uh, Oregon Blue, one of our great listeners. Everyone's saying, oh, it won't happen right away for USC. It's going to take some time for Lincoln Riley to build it. Sure, I, you know, if he's going to build it into a national power like he did to a degree at Oklahoma or like he can with maybe even more talent he can get at USC, then sure, that could be the case. But, man, I think people sometimes forget how much better you can get from one year to another, especially when you use the transfer portal the way USC has. Um Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. I mean, there's there's some high-level guys on that roster now. And I know, uh, you know, people say they probably, you know, yeah, they have some of those guys, but it's kind of the next tier of guys that need to be a little bit better. But I have USC winning the Pac-12. Utah's going to be strong. Oregon's going to be pretty good. But I got USC making that jump. There's a lot of buzz around that program. Maybe they'll fall flat, but I'll take them. Utah seems to be the popular pick 
here. Yeah. They went to the Rose Bowl last year and took Ohio State to the wire. But to me, Utah is a program that I don't think will follow up the success they had last year with another great season in 2022. I thought I was going to be alone in this pick, but you know what, man? I'm going to go USC too. I think oh. Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in the entire country. And the amount of talent that USC has is off the charts. You just touched on it a little bit, but they're turning into transfer you, man. They brought in so much talent from other schools. Everybody knows about Caleb Williams at quarterback as a sophomore, but they brought in Travis Dye at running back from Oregon, Darwin Barlow at running back from TCU, Austin Jones at running back from Stanford. And then you look at their receivers, they brought in Mario Williams, at receiver from Oklahoma, who was one of Caleb Williams' favorite targets, and Norman Brendan Rice from Colorado. If that name sounds familiar, it's because yep. it's Gary Rice's son. So Lincoln Riley, uh, his main job will be to make all this new talent mesh, and I think he's going to be able to. We saw what he did with tons of offensive talent during his years at Oklahoma. I think we're going to see that success carry over to L.A. this fall. I think some people might pick Oregon, but I don't trust the Ducks one bit with a new head coach, a guy who's never coached a game in his life, and Dan Lanning, the former defensive coordinator from Georgia. So I've got USC winning the Pac-12 in what I think will be a pretty weak conference this year. I think nine wins might be enough for them to uh, – nine wins overall might be enough for them to uh, win the league this year. Are we in lockstep on all these so far? We are, and that's kind of a scary thought. Yeah, and the next one is fairly obvious. Alabama winning the SEC, I have that. Um, Georgia, I don't know if you could call them a dark horse, but they're right in that mix as well. Um, but hard to bet against you know, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, especially with what Georgia lost. Still a ton of talent there, but defensively. Texas A&M would probably be the real dark horse in my mind. Um, I don't know how, Austin, but they're recruiting really well. Um, yeah, under Jim Fisher, there. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. But I've got Alabama winning the SEC as well. But I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody who wants to pick Georgia after <laughs> winning the national championship last year. But I think Alabama is going to win the conference again this year. A lot of people forget that they actually did last year as well. But you just look at the talent, and it's off the charts as it always is. Bryce Young at quarterback. Trey Sanders at running back, Jameer Gibbs at running back, the transfer from Georgia Tech, um, a plethora of receivers in Corey Brooks, and Jermaine Burton, one of Georgia's best receivers, who transferred into Alabama. So to me, this will be a typical Nick Saban, Alabama team. You touched on Texas A&M a little bit, and to me, they're not even going to be in the discussion. I know they've recruited better than anybody else in the country over the past year or two, but they still have to prove it on the field. I know they came close to making the college football playoff once or twice in recent years, but this still is a program to me that feels like it's going to go nine and three, ten and two at best this year, which obviously is not enough for uh, for a team to win the conference. I agree with that. It'd be interesting to see if what Texas A&M does. Uh, with that in mind, on Alabama, I have Bryce Young winning the Heisman. Uh, I think he's going to be the first two-time Heisman Trophy winner since Archie Griffin. Uh, who do you have? This pains me to do so, but I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud oh. at Ohio State. The numbers he put up last year were crazy. Losing some of the receivers, I think, will hurt more than people realize. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba's back as, for his junior year, but losing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, I think, 
will take somewhat of a toll on this team, but C.J. Stroud is still one of the best quarterbacks in the country, so uh, I've got him winning the Heisman, but I think Bryce Young will be right there once again as well. Yeah, hard not to figure those are going to be the top two probably when it's when it's all said and done. Um, and keep an eye out on Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State. I think he might be one of the breakout stars in college football after what he showed in the Rose Bowl last year with three touchdowns. Um, college football playoff, last thing. Who's your four? I have a little bit of a, you know, I I we both have Clemson winning the ACC. I think that actually is going to be enough for Clemson to get in the college football playoff. I have them along with Alabama, Ohio State, and as I picked in the Wolverine football preview magazine, which first uh, limited supplies only, uh, you can get at the wolverineondemand.com. I have Michigan sneaking in. After chaos ensues on Championship Sunday, they get left out of the Big Ten title game, but they make the college football playoff for the second time in a row. Uh, so my four are Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson. I like it, Clay. I'm going to go with some uh, pretty cliche picks here, but Alabama is an obvious one as the SEC champs. i got to go with Georgia, even though I don't have them winning the SEC. This is going to be an extremely good team once again with Stetson Bennett returning at quarterback. I've got them making it. I've got Ohio State making it from the Big Ten. Those three were kind of no-brainers for me. The fourth one was more difficult. I actually did consider Michigan as well because, again, I think they're going to go either 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one this year. Don't say Notre Dame. Do not say Notre Dame. No, uh, Notre Dame crossed my mind, but with a first-year head coach, I cannot put them in, uh, especially with the fact that they're going to have a loss right off the bat as well, too, yeah. with that opener at Ohio State in my opinion. So give me Cincinnati again as repeat oh. champs, making the playoff again. I know Desmond Ritter's gone, but I don't think it'll matter. I think they're going to run the table in the American Conference. Luke Fickle has proven to be one of the better coaches in all of college football, especially after what he did last year. Remember prior to that final weekend of the season last year when it was looking like Michigan was going to play Cincinnati? in that playoff game if Alabama hadn't beaten Georgia in the SEC championship. And if that had played out that way, I really think there's a good chance Michigan would have been playing for a national title, but obviously it didn't. You can play the what if game all day long, but I've got Cincinnati, Ohio state and Alabama and Georgia making the uh, college football playoff next season. And honestly, what would be uh, in my opinion, a pretty uh, uneventful 14 field. Yeah, we need to ex- expand that thing. Um, okay, Cincinnati, surprise pick. Um, I could see it for sure, and uh, it, it'd be crazy. I would still take a, a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss, you know, some other team that's in that mix, but it wouldn't shock me to see them go with them again, uh, you know, definitely. That is our show. Uh, great preview of the college football season. Hopefully people like it. Make sure to like this video if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, check us out at thewolverine.com. Austin Fox is over there interacting on the message board. The fort, uh, just $1 gets you an entire year of our premium access. So incredible deal there. It's going to run out soon. So make sure to take advantage while you can. And Austin, I appreciate you coming back on. Absolutely, man. We have so much fun doing these. Uh, it's hard to believe that Michigan football is this close to being back again. It never gets old. The excitement really starts to set in around this time every single year. And I know I've said it countless times on the fourth, the message board at the Wolverine.com, but 
there's really nothing like it, nothing like fall Saturdays in Ann Arbor, nothing like the big house, nothing like the team and the players running out of that tunnel and touching that banner. I get goosebumps just thinking about it, man, but everything that goes into it, the tailgating and the after parties and celebrating big wins after so many of these uh, these great Saturdays we've had. So I appreciate you having me on, man. I appreciate all the work you and Chris Ballas and John Borton and EJ Holland and Anthony do at the Wolverine.com. It's been a blast reading your stuff over the past year. You guys are the best in the business. So thanks again for having me on, brother. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.